Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Walking with Jesus Through the Word, one chapter per day. Or today it's actually two chapters. I'm Pastor Jason Van Bemmel from Forest Hill Presbyterian Church, and we are in Psalms 23 and 24 today on day number 140 of our three-year journey through the Bible. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the diversity and richness of your word. Thank you for the Psalms, which are beautiful music that expresses deep theological truth and also gives us language for prayer. Help us to see Christ and to learn how to pray and worship better through the time we spend in your Psalms this morning. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 23, a Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. That is Psalm 23 in the English Standard Version. Uh, This is probably the most famous poem in the history of the world. I mean, I don't think that's too much of a stretch to say. Psalm 23 is the most well-known psalm, uh, the most, probably the most familiar and famous poem, song in the history of the world. Though most people don't know it as a song, although there are several very good arrangements of this uh, for singing. But this is so familiar to us. And one of the things that happens with something that's so familiar is we can miss sometimes how wonderful it is. We can hear it so many times, maybe at a funeral, maybe as children in children's church, or uh, we memorize it, but we miss how beautiful it is. This is a poem from David, who was a shepherd, about the Lord, our shepherd, and the Lord who graciously provides for us. A few years ago, I did preschool chapel at New Covenant Christian School, and I loved taking time and going through Psalm 23 with the little ones, the little four-year-olds there in the preschool program at New Covenant. And we would go through this, and I taught them a little thing about Psalm 23 that has stuck in my head and been helpful. Uh, And that is Psalm 23 shows us a picture of the Good Shepherd. And the Good Shepherd is the one who leads his sheep and feeds his sheep the one who protects his sheep and corrects his sheep. So those are four things that the good shepherd does, leads and feeds, corrects, protects and corrects. And we see that throughout this Psalm. Uh, The Lord leads us. Where does he lead us? Well, sometimes he leads us in green pastures and sometimes he leads us beside still waters. He leads us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And sometimes he leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. But wherever we are in life, the Lord is the one who leads us. And we can always trust in him. Because he is our shepherd, we do not lack anything that we truly need. That's what it means when it says, I shall not want. I shall not be in want of anything that I truly need. Now, we still want stuff that we don't have, but we are not in want of or lacking anything that we truly need because the Lord is our shepherd. He knows when we need 
food, and he knows to lead us into the green pastures where we can find food. He knows when we need refreshment, and he knows how to lead us beside the still waters for refreshment. He knows that what we need is righteousness and how to walk in obedience, and he leads us for his name's sake in paths of righteousness. And he knows when we need trials, trials that help us to stay close to him. And so he feeds us not only in our bodies, but also in our souls, not only with things that are pleasant to us and welcome, but sometimes things that are not pleasant to us and not welcome because they're what we need. And it's in the valley of the shadow of death where he often protects and corrects us. And we see this image in the rod and the staff. You know, the rod is used for beating off the enemies, protecting, but the staff with the shepherd's hook at the end is used to correct, to bring the wayward sheep back into the right way. So the Lord protects us from our enemies when he attacks, but he also corrects us when we are going astray. Verse five and six really shifts the image from an image of a shepherd to an image of a gracious host who prepares a table for us. But he's doing the same thing here. He's feeding us, prepare a table before me. He's protecting us in the presence of our enemies. And he's leading us and blessing us. He anoints our head with oil. That's a picture of the Holy Spirit who comes upon us with abundant blessings. Our cup overflows with the rich blessings of the Lord. And surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. We are never, if we belong to the Lord through faith in Jesus Christ, we are never apart from his goodness and his mercy. Even in the valley of the shadow of death, we are never apart from his goodness and his mercy all the days of our lives. All of them, not just the good ones, not just the sunny days, but the rainy days, the stormy days, the cloudy days, the cold days. We are still always with God's goodness and mercy. And the good news, the blessed news is that we shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Jesus is our good shepherd. And he is the one who has walked the path of righteousness for us so that he can lead us in it as we are in him. And he is the one who has already defeated all of our enemies and disarmed them so he can protect us from them. And he is the one we will be with in his house forever. Psalm 24 is also a psalm of David. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he shall receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. It's another Psalm of David, and this one is very much explicitly about Christ. So it begins with a statement that everything in the world all that is in the world and everyone who lives in it. So the earth itself, the fullness thereof, that's all the things that are in and on the earth, and those who dwell there, and that's all the people. So the earth 
and all the stuff in and on the earth and all the people on the earth all belong to the Lord. He's the creator. And the creator is the owner and the ruler of all. It's all his. He's founded it. He's established it. So the question is, if it's all his, how can we access him? How can we worship him? How can we glorify him? How can we know him? And that's what verse 3 is asking. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? Who can enter the presence of this God who made everything and who rules everything and who owns everything? Who can stand before the presence of this holy, holy, holy God? Well, the qualifications for doing that are given to us in verses 4 to 6. He who has clean hands, that is innocent in conduct, and a pure heart, innocent in motive, in desire, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, so not worshiping an idol, does not swear deceitfully, does not use his tongue to deceive, he will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. <clears throat> Verse 4, in its fullness, applies to one human being who has ever lived on the face of the earth. There is only one who ever had clean hands, a pure heart, who never lifted up his soul to what was false, and who never swore deceitfully, and that is the Lord Jesus Christ. So verse 4 tells us that Jesus alone has earned the right to stand in the presence of God. And that's why when Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried, God raised him from the dead, and then God exalted him to the highest place, and God welcomed him into his presence, the man, Christ Jesus. As God the Son, he had always been with the Father, but as the man, Christ Jesus, in his human nature, once he had passed every test, overcome every temptation, proved himself to be the pure and innocent one, he was brought into the presence of the Lord, the heavenly sanctuary, where he sits at God the Father's right hand. There he receives blessing from the Lord. There he inherits a righteousness of God, and he dispenses that to all who have faith in him. He is our righteousness. As God the Father has saved Jesus from death and given him this righteousness, he gives it to us as we come to him. And we are the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob in Christ, in Christ. Now we have in verses 7 through 10, this triumphal procession call. Uh, one speculation about when Psalm 24 was originally written that seems to make sense is that it was written for the time when David brought the Ark of the Covenant up into Jerusalem. And so as the Ark was coming up the right way, the second time, carried on the shoulders of the priests as it should be, uh, or the Levites as it should have been, that David would sing out, lift up your heads, O gates, be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. But I think of another time when that Ark of the Covenant was fulfilled, that Ark of the Covenant's triumphal procession that David had in Second Samuel was fulfilled when Jesus entered Jerusalem on Palm Sunday. He was entering as the one who had who had fulfilled all righteousness in his life and was now coming to offer himself up as a sacrifice in the presence of God. And the King of Glory was coming into Jerusalem. But also, Spurgeon, among others, 
says that we need to see it applying to our churches as well as to our lives that our churches would be welcoming and wanting the savior to be in our midst or we are there for nothing that our lives want our hearts to be open for christ to come in and reign and rule over his church and over our lives christ is the king of glory christ is the lord of hosts mighty in battle he is the one who has defeated every enemy who has overcome every obstacle, who sits at God's right hand, and we want him by his Holy Spirit to be in our churches, in our lives, that we might be his people. We might be the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for being our faithful Father. Lord Jesus, thank you for being our good shepherd. You lead us, you feed us, you protect us, you correct us. You are good to us in every way. Lord Jesus, we desire to have you present in our churches and in our lives as the King of glory who reigns over us. Thank you for fulfilling all righteousness for us. Thank you for being our righteousness and our peace. We praise you. Help us to live for you today and not to settle for anything less. We pray this, O Lord, in Jesus' name and for his sake. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me for day number 140 of walking uh, with Jesus through the word. Tomorrow, we begin the book of Leviticus. In the next two days, we will be in Leviticus 1 and 2, and then we'll pick back up with Romans. Romans comes in every three to six days or so, uh, but a brand new book, Leviticus, on tap for us tomorrow. Hope you can be there, and I hope you have a blessed day in the Lord today. Mm -hmm.